Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name's Dominic Gawley. I'm a consultant with Human Synergistics Australia, and today on the show, I've got two very special guests from Sandoz. So I've got Guy Strong, who's the country head for Australia and New Zealand. Hey, Guy. Hi, thanks. And I've got Clarette Crame, who's the head of people and culture for all of Asia. Hi, Clarette. Hello. Now, both of you are speaking at our annual culture conference, culture and leadership conference. And what we thought is that people will hear that, think that's fantastic. And maybe they want to know a bit more or, or hear a bit more about the story. So we thought we'd get you on the podcast just to have a chat through the work you've been doing so other people can benefit from it. How does that sound? Sounds great. Thanks for inviting us. Pleasure. Now, I guess for people who don't know, Sandoz is actually a huge company, but sometimes people don't know the brand name per se. So who are Sandoz? You know, how would people know you? Sure. Sandoz is the generics division of Novartis Pharmaceuticals, which is a Swiss-based pharmaceutical company. Here in Australia and New Zealand, we provide a generic medicines to expand access for mm. patients and to make healthcare more affordable. I think probably the place where most Australians would have come into contact with Sandos is if they went to Chemist Warehouse uh-huh. and we supply them most of their generic medicines. Okay. We supply about 20% of the medicines in Australia. So quite a key part in the healthcare of Australians. It's fairly sizable, yeah. So, so there's a pretty good chance we've all at some point had something to do with Sandos. Sandos. That's right. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? These huge brands that people don't know because it's not the consumer-facing kind of brand, but actually it's such an integral part of our lives. Yeah. Beautiful. So that's kind of a bit about the company. And, and we got you in to speak at the conference because of the culture work you're doing. So Claret, why did you guys start on this culture transformation journey? What was kind of the impetus for you? Sure. We'd gone through quite a lot of change in the organization. And I think Some of the work that I did, particularly in the first couple of years, had been more reactive. And then I started to think about what can we do to get on the front foot? I'm Mm. hearing the same sort of feedback, the same story from our associates. We also had some pretty in-your-face feedback from our associates. Our Uh associates is another word for employees. And what they were telling us was that they were tired. They were telling us that they're in survival mode. And... We also got this really, really interesting feedback from Best Employer, which told us about the credibility of our leadership team. And our sort of rating out of 100 was 41%. That doesn't sound great. No. And we'd gone through this organizational restructure and I started to think about, you know, how do we stabilize the organization? Mm. But how do we do that in a really meaningful way where people are not talking about survival anymore? We're really Mm. clear on our priorities. We're a destination that people want to come to, Mm. and we're also a credible leadership team that people Mm. want to work with. Mm. Yeah, so there's you know a few things going on, and and obviously in our language that survival is probably a great word. It's that defensive kind of behaviour, right? People feel like they need to keep themselves safe. Mm. So that was kind of what's going on. So how did you start then? How did you actually get going? What were the first steps, Guy? Well, I think just to build on. Clarette's point. So I arrived in the middle of 2018. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, we had all these telltale signs that culture was an issue. 
But when I first arrived, we hadn't grown in sales for the past five years. We'd been okay, flat, and we'd had declining profitability. So there was a real performance issue. Um, I was having a look around what was driving that performance. And when I looked at our market position, it was good. Capabilities of our staff were exceptional, uh, huge amounts of knowledge and experience. Mm. We had a really good portfolio, a great pipeline. The market dynamics were okay. And, you know, it was just trying to find out what was wrong. Mm. And I think in my one first or second week, I went into a particular meeting where we were reviewed the deals and on one side was sales, the other side was marketing and the head was finance and sales was basically saying that marketing was giving no support, marketing was saying sales couldn't sell <laughs> yeah. and finance was saying that they were all rubbish and they were um, <laughs> you know, destroying the business. And so there was this real sense of you know, retribution for, mm. for failure, people not wanting to do things wrong and people not really trying to figure out how to work together. Mm to improve the business. I was really fortunate at that particular time in that we had a new CEO at our group level uh, okay. who put culture, culture agenda really high uh -huh. on, on the priority list. I was very fortunate that uh, Claret was uh, my HR business partner mm. who was passionate about it and had a great plan for turning culture around. So I'll hand over to her for, so, for the plan. So, so the stars were lining up. And the associates, and that was the, our employees, the, the great thing was they were really wanted it. They were tired. They were tired of being hounded. They were tired of wanting to avoid and have decent conversations. Mm. There was just, there was burnout. And so all those three things came together. And I think it's so important to actually steer, you know, look into those things, right? Because, you know, it's, cha it's challenging. It's challenging for people to say they're tired. It's challenging when you hear that the leadership credibility was lower and people didn't see that. It'd be easier just to say, oh, let's just sweep that under the, the rug and move on. So or do numerous initiatives thinking that you're taking action, but you're really not, or you're not getting to the heart of what's wrong. And I think that's where slowing the pace down for us was really important uh -huh. and understanding what's the baseline like what is really going on here and sitting with it rather than going straight into action mode. Yeah. So even though there was a sort of laid out plan, we spent a lot of time slowing things down and really understanding where are we? What are people really saying? How do things get done around here? And putting some sort of concrete like examples around it so that uh -huh. we really, really understood it and people could resonate with it. Yeah, I love that. Sometimes. I've heard people talk about changes, you know, you could download the new app, but often what's required is upgrading the operating system, right? Yep. So it's the kind of easy, short, quick fix, but maybe it doesn't really address the root cause, right? So we have to get down to what's actually underneath it, what's going on, and to listen to that. I love it. So how, how did you do that listening? How did, did you do that slowing down and, and looking there, Claret? Several ways. So we, you know, we ran workshops. Mm -hmm. um, like I'm sure other companies have done before to understand their culture or people. Of course, we met Corinne at Human Synergistics and we basically did the OCI survey, but I think we also got a bit obsessed about it too. So when we did get our results, we really wanted to understand it. And uh -huh. that's sort of where the slowdown came. Uh -huh. We wanted to make it an all-inclusive e experience too. So 
a lot of what we were doing was not limited to just the leadership team or middle management. We included everybody. Mm. And that takes time. Mm. And that's where we really needed to slow things down mm. and bring everybody there to a, at least a baseline understanding of where we were at and show that, because I think in the past we'd gone straight into actions or trying things yes. that didn't really work. So how did we slow it down, take our time, understand it genuinely, and also just acknowledge some of the feedback that we're getting? And that in itself takes time. Yes. And so it's, it sounds like, you know, how you do the culture transformation has to reflect the kind of culture you want to build as well, right? So we want one where people are included. We want where people are empowered. And part of that, it takes some time, but it's going out and listening to them and actually getting people involved in the process itself of the culture change. Mm. Yeah. And something that stuck with me that Vass, our global CEO, talks about is, you know, there's no organizational change without personal change. So as a leadership team, we spend a lot of time also looking inward mm. individually. Yes. And we went on our own sort of leadership journey and somehow came together at a point to see how each other were doing. And what we started to develop was this vulnerability-based trust where we could share and be open about where we're at in terms of the whole leadership journey or the mm. organizational journey mm. and where, where are we really. And that took a fair bit of time. Mm. That wasn't easy. And then we got to a point about, I'd say, six months in where we started to develop ourselves and the conversation that we were having with each other. And it was time to tell the rest of the organization because we'd been doing this as a leadership team and we hadn't really been sharing. Mm. So now what we do, and it's been something that has been part of our annual event, is we run a culture day. It's called the Sandoz Summit. And it's run like a TED event where whoever wants to volunteer can share their culture, sorry, their leadership journey. Yeah. Wow. Mm. So powerful, you know, because that's role modeling that vulnerability. And hey, we're not perfect. Leaders are humans too, <laughs> you know, and we've got to learn and do stuff. Guy, how did you, how did that go? Because you talked earlier about, you know, marketing, we're blaming sales, sales blaming marketing, finance, thinking everyone's rubbish. So I imagine that wasn't just easy. No, I think, you know, we needed to change a lot of the behaviors, which were quite entrenched for, for many, many years within the organization. But I think using the OCI we were able to put words mm. to those behaviors and we were creating a vocabulary that we could use to discuss with one another what culture was like mm. and what the feelings were like. Mm. And I think, you know, going up, being vulnerable, showing your own leadership where you, you know, like myself, where I needed to improve the things that I was working on, I think just really resonated with most of the associates. And what I was struck by is everyone wants to work in a constructive totally. environment. Yep. Unless you're maybe a sociopath. <laughs> but really, that's where everybody wants. And there weren't any cynics. It was such, right. generally with culture, it's so easy for the cynics to come out, but they weren't. And I think people just, it just resonated with them. And uh -huh. I suggest to anybody out there that if you try and you put those words around a constructive way of working, you discuss that with your employees, you'll see that they want to be there as well. It's now getting into a great phase where we've actually seen that being taken up mm. by our employees and mm. it's now permeating through the whole organization and it's no longer 
us leading mm. the change. Beautiful. But it's it's something that everybody's doing. And I think, guy, you know, you're saying people are on board, but I think that takes for the leaders to own it first and it's foremost. Because okay. you know, we've all been in companies. I know I have been in the past where people say the right things about culture and about all this stuff, but I don't believe that you really mean it. You know, so people have to believe that the leaders genuinely are invested. We're in. We're going for it, you know, and then we can get on board because we think something's going to change. And I think part of that is is holding your yourself accountable. So I I know I've <laughs> in the past been a, a very red leader, and that was rewarded. But also being able to call it out when mm. and allowing your leadership team and your associates to call you out when you aren't behaving the way you want to behave. Uh huh. And I think then that shows commitment to. The, the employees. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's not a easy thing to do, especially with leaders. So part of the program that we built was around how do we have better conversations? Mm. So we invested in our team and we, we ran coaching sessions, coaching culture sessions. Uh-huh. And we also ran sessions on how do we give feedback and how do we have straight talk? Because we know that we need to have better conversations around here. We want to be able to give feedback, hold each other accountable. Mm. And it shouldn't be just a leadership skill. Everybody in the organization's a leader. So we made sure that was part of the program and that it was also, again, very inclusive. And the leadership team was spread into all the different workshops, into various programs. So it wasn't, you know, just the sales team. It wasn't Uh just marketing. mixed. Uh Mixed. And so that we could also be held accountable. So if we're going through the same programs, it might be that guys getting coached by one of our sales reps and vice versa. So we really immersed ourselves into all of the programs. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so, you know, and there's something about that, seeing your leader in the trenches with you, so <laughs> to speak, if you like, and it's like, well, now I know you've done the training course, so I know <laughs> what you're accountable for, you know. But it's also, you know, I know you're serious about this and, you know, you're sharing something with me that's important to you. Mm. And therefore, there's some safety for me to also share too. Uh-huh. I love yeah. that. And I think that was key is that it wasn't just because I've seen so many cultural initiatives, which are basically big communication uh-huh. initiatives. Yeah, kind of exercises. Yeah. Yeah. And that never resonates with an associate. You know, they know when they're being marketed to. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and it was great that we had concrete fundamental things and workshops and frameworks to practice, such as how do you do effective coaching, feedback. I mean, we're just people are terrible at feedback, mm. you know, giving it in constructive ways or corrective ways, receiving yeah, it. I was going to say, yeah. Is, you know, <laughs> and it requires both and it requires yeah. both and working on ways and tools to enable that better way of delivering and receiving feedback makes a huge difference. So don't just talk about the communications, but actually do things to enable and empower and better people to be working in uh-huh. in constructive ways. Beautiful. And link it back to the culture we want. Why are we doing this yep. kind of course and stuff? I love it. Claire, what else did you do? I think for me, the sort of biggest and impactful event was really the leadership retreat that we had, where we had our leadership team and people managers, we went away on a retreat and we spent a lot of time together to try and think about how we can embed this a bit further. Mm-hmm. What we went through as a leadership team and our own journey, we then shared with the, the next line leaders. 
um, and they went through the same journey. Uh-huh. And for me, that was quite impactful because I think that brought us a lot closer together. Again, it's another sort of hallmark of saying, we're serious about this, we're investing in you, you're important, and we also want you to take charge of the leadership journey. So what Guy was talking about earlier is that, you know, we have groups outside of the leadership team now. Um, we have an engagement team, we have culture champions that now own the culture. Mm. And they're these, it's part of the kind of like our ecosystem of feedback, of programs. And that was a, a great point for us because it was almost like, this is not just ours, it's yours too. Mm. Um, and how do you take ownership of this? How do you want it to continue? And if you're enjoying this, keep going mm. um, and giving them the tools and the space to continue learning and developing. Yeah, and it's so important, isn't it? Because, it, it, you know, I often think culture change has to be enabled or something by the leadership team, have to be on board. But we can't all just be sitting there looking at the leadership team, waiting for them to do everything, you know? If we want a culture where people are empowered, where people can use their autonomy, where they can take the initiative, then they've got to do that too. So it's about enabling them to do that. Mm. So how do we get it throughout the organization and kind of spread it out? I think one of the other challenges that we had was also holding each other accountable and ensuring that, you know, we are giving the feedback to one another as a leadership team and, you know, also having to sometimes make difficult decisions. Yeah. Okay. Tell me about that. How do you go about making those difficult decisions? You know, what, what did that look like? How was that different? Do you think, Guy? I think, I guess the most difficult decisions were there were some people who Although they were aware of their behaviors, weren't the ones that we wanted. They had that level of self-awareness, but they just weren't able to change the behaviors. Mm. And unfortunately, all you need is that one person to be breaking the cycle of, say, a really good constructive conversation, understanding how we're going to do things better, someone to come in and kill it dead Mm. with just a few comments. And give coaching, you give people the benefit of the doubt that they can change, but there needs to be a time when you say, look, the collective is more important than the individual. You can't show that you're willing to embrace this new culture. It's best for yourself and the organization that we we part ways. Mm. And there will be some, uh, remarkably few, (laughs) but there will be some. Because when you start getting into that constructive mindset, and people working and being the best that they can be, it feels so good Yes, that they don't, they don't want to go back to the <laughs> other. And it becomes, becomes mutually enforcing. And then you start seeing the performance also improving. And then it's easier as well to be in those constructive it's snowball. So yep. it's, a, it's a lovely snowball, but had to make decisions that certain individuals were not willing to come along the journey. I think that's a great point, you know, and I'm of the same philosophy that people can learn, grow and develop and we want to give them lots of chances to do that. We want to bring them with us. But ultimately, if people don't want to do that, then we've got to do what's best for the team, best for the organization, which might be parting ways. And, you know, if we're serious about this culture stuff and it is really important to us, we will make those decisions, even if they're actually quite difficult decisions. You know, we have to. Thanks for that. I, I, I really appreciate that story. What else as far as, you know, for people throughout the organization, so we've done some training and stuff. Was there anything else, Claret, that's 
you think worked that other people listening to this might be able to benefit from? Maybe I might just jump in. Yeah, go for it. Sorry, Claire. Um, I think certain things to change are, you know, I think there are artifacts and systems within Uh the organization. And like that meeting I was telling you about how oppositional it was really needed to completely rechange that and talk about how we're going to improve. So I basically stop people from opposing ideas. Uh And if an idea comes, you need to tell me how you're going to improve on it, how it's going to be getting better. Uh And now we have a, a really very useful growth mindset around developing our business as opposed to opposing one another's ideas, which Uh was the way we used to do. So I think that really helps. Other systems that you need to look into is how you incentivize your uh, employees, how they can get feedback from the work that they do, Mm. how we approach performance management. All of those sort of things need to be touched on. And I think all of those ladder up into the culture. Yeah, so it all has to be sending the same message about this constructive stuff. This is what we value. And so as leaders, we have to role model that and demonstrate that. But also all the stuff we make decisions about, because we send messages through how we structure it, what we incentivize. We send messages about what's important and how you should, how you're expected to behave. And I think we had, you know, some archaic practices too that we needed to look at. For instance, our flexibility policy, you know, in the past, you'd have to fill out a form and get manager approval. That's not what it's like today. But that would be one where, you know, it doesn't really align with our culture and Mm. the autonomy that we want to be able to give associates to be at their best. Mm. So we also had to take a look at things like that and and what signal it sends to to the organisation if we we continue those practices and how do we do away with that and have something a bit more sensible and aligned with autonomy. Yeah. It was, was, I remember my first week I came started getting these pieces of paper <laughs> that I had to sign, allowing this person to take one day off, well, work from home one day a week. And it was just like, I don't need to be signing this. Oh, yeah. People were saying, well, managers were saying, well, I don't know if they're going to be working when they're away. And I uh-huh. said, well, then you've got another issue. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. If people are going to be skiving off work, you've got another whole management And you signing the piece about, of paper doesn't solve that anyway. It's not going to be solving that at all. So now, you know, we just need to treat our employees as adults. I think we need flexibility, especially if people are looking after elderly relatives or children, almost everyone. Actually, I don't know if anyone in our organization now is a slacker. Everybody wants to come to work, uh-huh. wants to have a real positive impact on what they do. Everybody wants that. But we also need to give them the freedom to do the other things in their life that are important as well. Mm. Yeah, And it's that trust. Yeah, and, and holding people accountable. And that's the flip side of it, right? With trust comes accountability as yeah. well, right? You, hey, we're going to trust you, but you have to perform. You have yeah. to deliver as well. And um, we also need to trust ourselves that we've created this environment that we're inspired by something that's important mm. and people are going to do the right thing. Yeah, I love it. What about challenges? What about, did you hit any road bumps on your journey? You know, and how might you have recovered from them? I wouldn't say that we had any road bumps. I think what I talked about earlier were those people who weren't in the journey, uh-huh. who were, were quite disruptive. Those were the biggest challenges that we faced. And in hindsight, I might have made my decisions earlier. Uh-huh. But I think 
you know, as I said, as, as soon as you start role modding those behaviors, as soon as you start giving people respect and trust, it's remarkable how they give it back. Mm. You know, we used to have this organization which was termed performance culture, and there was just humongous focus on numbers, mm. justifying the numbers, justifying why you weren't making mm. the numbers. Everybody's spending all this time in analysis. And, you know, I wanted to move that away. I said, what do we need to do for our customers? What mm. do we need to do for our patients? Let's talk about the things we're not going to do. The result, the sales and that will come. Mm. If you focus on that, you're missing the point. We need to be discussing what we need to do for our customers and for our patients. Yeah. It's so common with organizations. We spend so much energy internally defending and stuff about the numbers, justifying the numbers. But that doesn't sit, that's not actually selling anymore. Right? How do we get out there? And it was just focusing on really the wrong things. Mm. And we had spent so much time in the security need that we were just spending all our time. How do we message this to the region or to the globe? Uh-huh. Yeah, it was just not talking about the patients or customers ever. And it's because so, it's not the real performance is going out there and serving patients, serving customers, right? That's the real That's right. performance yeah. that we're after. Yeah. So with that, where are you now? Because at the start, you talked about people feeling tired and that survival mode, the leadership credibility. And you also talked about the performance stuff, Guy, yeah. which was sales were flat and profitability so, declining. So we just redid our OCI results and it's been just a huge flip from a very red-green culture to now very little of that, all in the in the lower banding, and constructive cultures all in in uh, high. So it's been just just a you know complete Phenomenal. switch. Yep. Great to see humanistic encouraging being our, our strength and affiliative. And I think we can see that in our engagement results. We can see that in just when I arrive, people would come to me and just drop problems on my desk uh-huh. every day. Uh-huh. Here's another huge issue. Here's <laughs> yeah. another issue. Now they come and say, "This, hey, we had this issue. We got together, we did this, and we turned it into this this opportunity. And I think that shows in, in our results. So for the first time in five years, we're growing. We're growing 14% on the top line, and we're growing 30% on our bottom line. We've never, in the history of Sandals Australia and New Zealand, grown that quickly or, or had that performance. That's huge so, growth. Startup so, growth. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's just, just a huge phenomenal change. And that's due to every single person thinking about how we can work together to better meet the needs of our customers and our patients, just focusing on the important things yeah. uh, and being open to new ideas and exploring stuff. And it's, it's great to see. People don't talk about being tired and burnt out. People come up with ideas, and it's it's great. I sort of it's a bit disconcerting because I feel like I'm making myself redundant, <laughs> just running on and and just doing good good things. And it's a great point, though. It actually takes some bravery from the executives in general and the country top because you're empowering people. So now everything doesn't channel through me. I don't have to make every decision and solve every problem. You know, so it can be a nervous moment. <laughs> And what's the feeling like, Claret? Like, how do you, how have people responded to it? What's kind of the, the feeling amongst the associates? Yeah, I think, you know, like what Guy was saying, people are having this kind of ownership and autonomy and they're in flow. 
So mm. they know they're contributing to something. So ideas just come. Mm. And it's really quite fascinating to see because I would have, or the team might have never come up with a certain idea. And the fact that that's been fostered at all levels is really quite satisfying to see. Mm. And also to see their contribution come into an idea and then come into something that we roll out, I think is also quite satisfying for them. So it definitely feels very different. Very different. Yeah, no, definitely. Because people at the end of the day, what we enjoy is making a difference and doing something meaningful. That's what people really enjoy. You know, some companies just go for perks and stuff like that, but that stuff pretty surface level wears off. You know, what you want to spend your time doing is something important, something that makes a difference. What I've also noticed is when the team are involved in the interview process, it's something that they talk about. So we would have a panel of people interviewing and they talk about the culture of the organisation. And I've had a few emails from new starters who say, you know, I've heard about this through the process, but it's real. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not just the PR campaign, yeah, yeah. right? Which sometimes exactly. it is. Hey, check out the values on the wall. They're pretty nifty, aren't they? No, I love that. And I mean, after after conference and this podcast, you might be getting a few applications. So <laughs> people say, man, that sounds great. I'd love to love to work there. And that's part of culture as well, right? You know, sure. I think brand can attract and stuff like that, but culture retains, right? It's the people Absolutely. who were told this during the interview and they're like, oh my gosh, it's real. Yeah. Wow, it really is like this. What a breath of fresh air, you know? Guy, what advice would you pass on to anyone else who maybe they're starting out this journey or they're thinking about it? What would be your kind of top advice for them? I think make it tangible, you know, it's not a communications exercise. Really use the OCI to get the vocabulary within your team and then do very tangible things. Everything that Clarette was discussing. Make sure that you can show vulnerability, that you can build trust, mm. help people to become more constructive and continually persist with it and hold one another accountable. So it's, you know, focus on what's important, do it, and it will come. But start it now. <laughs> don't wait. Yeah, right. Don't wait. Yeah. What do you think, Lauren? Yeah, I think the other piece is, you know, you'll fumble along the way. Mm. There'll be things that happen that don't feel great. You'll feel uncomfortable, especially if you're not used to talking about things other than numbers. Uh-huh. <laughs> so if, yeah. if, if the business is so used to talking about performance and all of a sudden you're having a conversation that's completely different or how we might have made a mistake that week and we need to pick it back up again. It's going to feel different to the organization. You have people looking at you going, what's going on and why are we talking about this and why are we even making time for it? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you'll see the switch Uh and you just need to, as Guy said, be persistent with it. Uh The consistency that the team have had, I mean, it's such an incredible team, the leadership team today, the persistency that they've had and how consistent they've been and the trust that they've also given myself yeah. <laughs> in this process has been remarkable. And the trust that they've given each other and the associates. I think that's been really key because we did fumble sometimes and there'd be times when people would think, what is this? Why are we spending time on this? But it was a very quick switch. So as Guy was saying, you know, we expected probably more cynicism, mm. but the fact that we kept consistent and we kept with it mm. built trust. I think that's a huge thing is that with any change, there's going to be that groan zone of like, ugh, <laughs> it doesn't work as well as it used to, you know, at first maybe and all that stuff, right? Oh, I'm not comfortable with how this is now. 
but we've got to push through that grown zone, right? We've got to get to the other side and, and realize those changes. So that stick to itiveness or whatever they call yep. it, mm-hmm. so vital, so important. Final question, what's next? What's next on this journey? Well, that was, it's an interesting story. So when I first saw the huge change in our OCI results, uh-huh. I went straight into security needs. And I was thinking, we can't lose this. <laughs> we keep this here. And, it was just, and then I needed to check myself and say, no, don't think about what you feel to lose. What can you use and how can you use this to improve and to, to further the culture and further embed it and push us to greater heights? So we're looking now at what are the things that we can really push down right into the associates to really drive self-awareness and vulnerability and trust right down to all levels of the organization and to continue that journey of self-improvement and self-development within a, in a constructive uh, framework. And I think, you know, it's about how we've, we've gotten to a really healthy place. We've got a great business, we've got really good people, we've got a healthy culture. How do we leverage what people have learned and also continue to let go of it a little bit? We don't need to be so insistent on things. People want to take ownership, they want to drive this, they want to be leaders. So how do we enable that and continue to embed it, give people the skills to be able to do that too? Because it's gone beyond the leadership team and middle managers. The the team want to be part of this, they want it to continue. So we've got no choice. (laughs) 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 and it's just about how do we continue to embed that in in the organization and i think it's going to be about constant growth constant learning and investing in our people i love it thanks so much for your time today guy and clarette i love it great story for those listening in i hope they got something (laughs) for it so thank you very much for your time today thank you Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia. All rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au.